0: One of the blessings through this coronavirus pandemic has been that Jeff's entire family has been here for us in so many ways. Thank you all so much for that. You're a blessing to this church. And uh, for those that travel all the way from Demopolis, I thank the Bises for that. God bless you. Um, This church has been blessed. God's timing's perfect, and he knew That we needed this family at this time. God is so good. He never misses anything. And even as we, this weekend, remember those who are fallen. And I especially think of this congregation because this church in 1865 lost half of its members. The Civil War. I think about the faces and the names of the people who grew up here, who never got to return here. It was my privilege and blessing to be a, a friend and befriended by a very sweet lady that was a part of this church for so many years. And yet, as she was pregnant with her son, Vivian Taylor found out that her husband had died in a plane crash in World War II. Ned never got to see his daddy. But God seemed to take care of him. And not so long ago when we said goodbye to Vivian, one of the things that Ned said was, God has filled every vacancy in my life in an excellent way. And I believe that. With all my life, and as we stand here on this Memorial Day weekend, let's remember those who've given us the freedom to be here. I had a soldier some years ago at my church in Atlanta. My church had a number of, of military folks from two different bases near us, and one of the men came up to me on the Memorial Day weekend. And he said this, he said, As we pray for the families of those who have lost their loved ones protecting our freedom, I have a keen awareness that it may be my family that's prayed for this time next year. So therefore, preacher, pray for me. The sacrifices that have been made for the freedoms we've enjoyed are beyond understanding anywhere. But the truth is this, we... Must fight to protect those freedoms. For they will be soon gone if the church doesn't take its stand. And I encourage you to do that. And do not walk away from the challenge. For if you do, America will no longer stand. This series about Jacob is important because Jacob was so much like all of us, he was flawed from the beginning, he was frail. He was frustrated at times because things seemed to never go his way, yet God had a way of working through him that has taught us something. And so for the next several months, we're going to think about Jacob's life. The story of Jacob's life is is found beginning in this passage that I read this morning and goes all the way to the conclusion of the book of Genesis. In fact, his name is mentioned, uh, the fourth verse from the last of, of chapter 50 of Genesis. He was an important part of the story in Genesis. Even though he was the grandson of Abraham, he did not behave like Abraham. And then again, sometimes he did behave like Abraham. These passages are gathered together as a series of vignettes of a life that was mastered not by himself, but by God. God had a way of of dealing with him that was amazing. When Jacob was a rebellious child, even in the womb, he always seemed to want what was not his, and many times he got it and regretted it. He even wrestled with God. He was a child of God, albeit a flawed one. Martin Luther said one time that prayer is not about overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of his willingness. But if we want to lay hold of God's willingness, we must expect him to work in unusual and unrelenting ways in our life. And he will. And I begin this series about prayer because prayer was so much a part of Jacob's life. He was conceived because of prayer for his mother feared that she could not have a child, and yet God worked within him. And, and boy, did she get a set of twins. She got twice what she asked for. And through the struggle, she was able to hold things together and to guide those two men. Mark Ashton, in his book, A Voice in the Wilderness, tells a story about a little boy writing a letter to God. He's asking God for certain presents for Christmas, and he begins his letter by saying this. He says, God, I've been good for a year, and I want you to give me what I'm asking for. And he paused, and he looked at that year, and he thought, "Mm, that's not exactly right. He scratched through it, and he wrote six months above it. He went on to write, and then he went back to the six months, and he remembered something he had done during that time and he scratched through that and he wrote down three months he continued to write and got to the end of it and he realized he was very 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 dishonest about the three months so he scratched through that and he walked downstairs and he got the manger scene that was in front of their their uh, christmas tree and he reached down and he got mary the mother of jesus he walked back up there And he outlined her on the paper, and underneath he started to write, God, if you ever want to see your mother again, you better (laughs) give me these presents. Well, when I read that and thought about what, what Mark Ashton was saying, he was reflecting on the life of Jacob. Jacob sometimes would threaten God, get angry with God. He wrestled with God. But here's what's amazing. God never let go of Jacob. He continued to love him. He continued to watch after him. He continued to bless him and bless others through him. And I frankly look at Jacob and I wonder why. You know, it's amazing that God loves us. And I think the one way He loves us is because when we pray, we pray from a heart of sincerity. No matter what we've, we've done or haven't done, God loves us. You see, prayer is not manipulating a reluctant God. It's standing in His presence and being changed while we're there. So how do we lay hold of God's willingness? How do we connect with a God that, that, that really loves us? How, how do we make sure that we stay in the path that Jacob stayed in? Because we're going to look at him for a while. We're going to look at some pretty rough things that went on in his life. But we're going to realize that when we look at him, we're looking at ourselves. The first thing I want to think about is this. We pray for the impossible, believing that it is possible. That's how we can pray. That is the only way we can ever pray. Rebecca was barren and Isaac prayed and she became pregnant. It's really that simple. If we want to lay hold of God's willingness, we must pray. We must communicate with Him. We cannot go out into a wilderness <laughs> called the world and ever cease to function as we should. Unless we begin to follow the flesh, unless we communicate with everyone else, then we will cease to function as we should. Many Christians go out into the world as if somehow they are implanted with everything they need and they don't have to talk with their Creator and their Savior. Many people go out there and they think, I am it, therefore... When I'm here, everything's okay. And that's simply not true. God prepares us as we travel down that road. And He is always a blessing to us and those around us. I was telling the truth when I told a reporter at the uh, uh, Alabama Baptist paper that I knew Selma was in Alabama. When they contacted me, I just didn't know where. Because there are no interstates that go by here. I tell many folks that visit here, you don't accidentally come to Selma. It's intentional. There was a time when US-80 was a main thoroughfare, but that time was before Interstate 10 was created. And people travel through here. In fact, I've told folks when they say, where's Selma? And when I go back home to Atlanta, I'll say, ask any truck driver over 65 and he'll know where Selma is. Because he will remember crossing the Edmund Pettus Bridge with a transfer truck, as they did years ago. Selma seems to be in the middle of nothing but farmland. But to me, it's the middle of America. America. And God got me here. And I don't ever want to leave. This is a special place. This is called a mission field. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. In fact, we, we kind of waver in between different variants of, of, of messed up. But the reality is, this is where God plants His church to work. And we cannot make... A community perfect. We never sought out to do that. We're we're creating. A body called the body of Christ. They will occupy a perfect place. As we call these people out. And focus their destiny on eternity. In discipleship. We do so with an understanding that we can't fix what's broken. Here in Selma. We can only change the grade of those who are here. And I pray you understand that. And that you realize that we have a God who answers prayer. Who is able to change situations in the world. And our prayer matters. And the consistency of our prayer matters. We must continue to pray. And we never need to give up. There's a company, the largest magazine fulfillment firm in all the world. It's in Chicago. It not only sends out about 170 types of magazines, it also sends out those notices that your subscription is about to end and you need to renew that subscription. One day something went wrong in their computer program. Nobody knows to this day. But a rancher in Powder Bluff, Colorado got 9,734 separate mailings informing him that his subscription to National Geographic had expired. He wrote a letter back with a check in there, and he says, I hear you, I hear you, I will do it now. He said that for a period of 21 days, his mailbox was packed with these letters and postcards. Sometimes I believe that's exactly what our prayers need to be like. Only when we pray, we need to come in the presence of God and let Him change us while we are there. In doing that, we become exactly what He desires for us to be. Not what we choose to be, but what He desires to be. That's a power of persistence in prayer. And that persistence works in our prayers often when we don't even recognize it. Jesus himself said, keep on being, keep on asking, and you will receive what you're asking for. And if you keep on seeking, you will not be what you were when you began. That's what God understands. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. So often we ask once, and we give up. Secondly, I want you to expect God to answer in extraordinary and powerful ways. God does that. In this room not too many months ago, we had a prayer for a church member who was a long ways away in a hospital far up north. And amazingly, through all the changes in the time zones and all the difficulties going on between here and there, the moment we prayed, he was changed. God has a way of doing that. God has a way of answering before we ask sometimes because He is not limited by time and and He can see our heart moving in that direction and our changing. And because of that, He wants to stimulate that and let us know that He's there. Therefore, we should anticipate unusual and unstoppable answers to our requests. Know that when you pray, He answers. You know, when a woman can pray for a child and gets twins, that's something to be said. Genesis 25 says the babies jostled within her and she was struggling and she said, what's happening? And the Lord told her. Those were not two children, they were two nations and they're already at war with one another and you'll see that and something will happen that you'll never see again. The younger shall dominate and rule over the older. The older. Now, why did that happen? Why couldn't God have just made Esau the person he needed to be? I'll tell you, sometimes I think Esau was really grizzly Adams. Covered with hair, ruddy complexion, loved the outdoors, gave away his birthright for a bowl of beef stew. Well, it depends on how hungry you are what he would swap for that but he was hungry and and I think what we learned from him is this his brother was the one that cared about things like that and would manage it he didn't in his heart of hearts now he was a great man and he did wonderful things and and he was a very powerful man and eventually he and his brother made up but the truth is this He was not the leader that God needed and God had already decided what would be done. And literally in the womb, Jacob became the supplanter or the trickster. And we've got to understand who God is and how he works in that way. The, The younger ruled over the older, and that was something that was unheard of back then. But the truth be told, God had a purpose for that. God had a reason. You see, prayer has a way of getting us what we need when nothing else will satisfy. The best laid plans of men can never work in the way that they decide that they will work. In the life of Abraham, the one phrase that describes his life is going without knowing. And that's exactly what he did. God told him to go to a place that he had never heard of before. He knew nothing about. And told him to turn his back on the place in which he was from. He was a wealthy man. He was a Chaldean. But he was a very powerful and wealthy man. And God said walk away from that. And God took a man who was polytheistic. Who was as much a part of paganism as anybody. And when God called out to him, he answered. And in that answer, he showed obedience. Unfortunately, his grandson didn't. It took a long process to get him to obey. But in the center of that was prayer. And in the center of that prayer was change. And in the midst of that, God worked in a mighty way. I don't know where you are in your life, but I know this. God wants to work in your life. He wants to make a difference. He wants to speak to you. God's ways are not our ways. And so when God answers prayer, we've got to understand that we should expect something unusual. Mark Buchanan describes the Tuesday night prayer meetings at the Brooklyn Tabernacle. If you've never been to the Brooklyn Tabernacle and see what's going on there, it's amazing. Jim Cimbala arrived there as pastor with no formal training, with no understanding of what was going on. And God began to mold him in what he needed to be. And he went back to this passage, speaking of the life of Jacob. And he said, we will be all about prayer. Mark Buchanan in his book said this. He said, our Tuesday night prayer meetings at Brooklyn Tabernacle are like skydiving into a tornado. Exhausting and exhilarating all at once. He said the the amazing thing about them is they pray for two hours. Some people pray until they feel that God has heard them. Yet that church that was abandoned, that was overrun by homeless people, became a special place where today 3,500 God-hungry people show up every week. It's a place where their choir literally have set the standard for other choirs all over America and have presented a style of music unlike any we've ever had before. It's amazing that in all that they do, they find God. In one of the worst cities in the world, they find God. Jim Cimbala was talking to Mark Buchanan one evening over a meal there at the church. And, 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 and in the conversation they had, Jim Cimbala looked right at him and he said, Mark, do you know what the number one sin in this church and in most of the churches in America really is? And he said, sir, I have no idea. He said, is it, is it our apathy? Is it our, the fact that half of our our." Our members divorced just like half the folks in the world? He said, No, it's not that at all. He said, Those are consequences of our disobedience. But the sin that we have is that we don't go to God in prayer. The number one sin of the church in America is that we don't get down on our knees and cry out to God constantly. Prayers are repetitive an empty thing that many people themselves, as they are praying, don't really pay attention to. Neither does God. Because you don't pray from your head, you pray from your heart. I've been through storms in my life that were so frightening and so terrifying That had I've known in advance, I would have run. But God has a way of preparing us. And teaching us through the storm what we must be. And where we should go. As we begin this study on the life of Jacob. Begin a new prayer life. Pray with sincerity. Let your prayers be confessional. Begin with confessing your own sin to God. Realistically and purposefully. With a desire to change, not just a desire to state. What, admitting you're a sinner is not enough. Remember that, that whole thing about, about confession and forsaking sin is so important. It's so important. We should be a better person tomorrow than we are today if we pray. And I pray that as we go on this journey, your life will be changed And your community and family will be changed because you are changed. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that in your holy word, you guide us to come closer to you. You are not a God who's far away from us. You're very near. And we need you now more than ever before. So God, I pray that we would hear your voice and be obedient to it even now. And I pray that you would speak to us in words that we could understand. For, Lord, you have a way of doing that in your guidance. And I I ask that you would do that even today. Lord, cause us to be faithful. And give us a desire to continue to follow you. Father, I pray that you'd speak to anyone here in this place this morning who has a desire to come close to you. I pray that they would know that through prayer... All things are possible. And what they're seeking to do in life with physical hands may be something that you want to do through spiritual works. And I pray that they'd come close to you even now. Speak to someone in this moment as we sing this hymn of invitation. May we be changed forevermore. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.